today. We're looking forward to it. Let me uh, pray for us. Let's get in the Word. Father God, thank you for who you are and the way that you are working in the midst of our church. Lord, I pray for unity for us as a church against outside forces that number one for us would be a commitment to you, Jesus, and that, that, would, that would move us in everything. And as we come into some hard stuff again today, uh, James brings it over and over again, Lord. I pray that we would be um, ready to receive from you, not defensive of who we are, but ready to change so that we can match who Jesus is. Let that be true in us today. Lord, we love you and trust you, and uh, help us dial in and hear from you this morning. Holy Spirit, guide our time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue our series from the book of James today, and James has been imploring us to live a life that matches up to what we believe, that faith and action always go together. And as we come into chapter 3 of the book of James, he focuses on what we say how our words are the most frequent indicator of our character. Let's get right into it. James chapter 3, verse 1 starts this way. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, I want you to remember this letter is written to what we call the diaspora believers, those who've been scattered by persecution, and so now you have these new churches that are popping up in places, and apparently, as the new churches are popping up, a lot of people are coming forward saying, I want to be a teacher, I want to be a teacher, because teachers had prestige and influence. So James issues a warning. He says, remember, if you're going to teach, if you say, God says this. Whether you're saying it from a pulpit or saying it in your office or saying it in your school or saying it on Facebook, right? He says, if you say God says this, you will be held accountable because God likes to be quoted accurately. God likes his values put out there accurately. He says, so count the cost of desiring to teach. Now, this verse obviously terrifies me, and it should. It should any of us who teach. Because verse 2 says this thing, put verse 2 back up there. And he says, we all stumble in many ways. He goes, you're going to mess up if you teach. If you talk enough, you're going to say something wrong. You're going to say something offensive. You're going to say something weird, right? I have too many of those to count. I remember in my old church when I first started preaching, after I preached, the senior pastor would always get up and talk for a couple minutes. I never really paid attention. I was still thinking about what I had said. And after a while, I'm like, I wonder what he always says after I get down. So I get finished preaching, and I, and I listen to him, and he, he'd come up. My old boss, Mark Albrecht, he'd come up in the front. He goes, what Gary meant to say was this. <laughs> I was a mess, right? He had to come up and fix me every time, right? And the truth was that often I was ill-prepared. Sometimes I misspoke. Sometimes I went for a joke that just wasn't funny, but instead hurt someone's feelings. Sometimes I was just wasting time in the pulpit. I remember once Liz said to me, she goes, you have this bad habit, whenever you say something, misspeak, instead of just moving on, you tend to dwell there and make a joke out of it and waste a bunch of time. I said, I don't do that. She said, you should listen to yourself sometime. And I said, what? I don't hear what you're saying, right? So she had an iPod that I borrowed one time when I was going for a walk. And she had some other pastor on there she was listening to. I'm like, you're cheating on me. And so... I'm listening as our pastor preached, and he had some things to say, and, and it gets done, and I'm not done with my walk yet, and the next sermon on there is me. Well, I don't listen to myself. You know how annoying I am to hear, right? And I'm listening to myself preach. I leave it on, 
And all, I'm supposed to be saying uh, destructive habits. And instead, I say, you got to watch out because I can develop destructive hobbits. <laughs> right? Now, what should I do in that situation? Just go, sorry, I meant habits and move on and bring the focus back to the word. What did I do in that situation? I said destructive hobbits. Huh. And I start talking about Frodo and Sam. I do a Samwise Gamgee impression. Don't you leave him, Samwise. I don't intend to, right? And it goes on for several minutes. I'm walking in the woods by myself, just cringing and crying, right? Turns out my wife was right that one time, right? But look, this isn't just about teachers. Catch this. Everyone in this room, right? All of us have this terribly powerful ability to speak. We can all do it, right? All of us can speak words, and they are incredibly powerful. Way more powerful than we realize. Listen to what James says. He says, uh, verse 3, he says, When we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small park, by a small spark. We get the picture, right? Little things can control big things. You know this if you ever had a toddler, right? A two-pound bit can turn a 1,500-pound horse from side to side. A tiny rudder can direct a five-ton boat. He says, our tongues are just a small part of the body, but boy, can we talk. Our mouths can get us into so much trouble. Our words can start great divisions. They can hurt people for years. Little little test here. How many of you can remember some cruel thing that someone spoke to you years and years ago? Look around the room, right? The rest of you who can't, you just got too old and you forgot it now, right? And how many of you wish that you could take certain words that you spoke at some point in your life and never have spoke them? Stuff them back in your mouth. Edie, you better put both hands up and your feet. Right. Right. <laughs> I was going. <laughs> he compares the damage to a forest fire that gets started by a spark. I read this article about a huge forest fire that happened in Oregon a few years ago. Tens of thousands of acres were burned. Thousands of people were displaced. Millions and millions of dollars in damage, and they figured out it was started by a couple of fifteen-year-olds who were setting off fireworks. He says, for most of us, when we're talking, and I'm preaching to myself here, when you're talking, you're like a 15-year-old setting off fireworks. You have no idea of the consequences of what's coming out of your mouth. We share a little bit of gossip that makes us feel included, and it blows up a family. We drop an insult, and it wrecks a friend group. We spread a little rumor, and it splits a church. James knows this. He's been around a while. He's seen it happen in churches. Listen to this description, verse 6. Look how light-handed and and, uh, how he sneaks up on this. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Tell us what you really mean, James, right? Is he pulling any punches here? Because let me tell you, hear it again. Hey, think about, all of us have this, all right? Take the word, if I said, hey, you've got something in your house, you've got something in your body that you carry around all the time that you use thousands of times a day. You know what it is? It's a fire. It's a world of evil. It corrupts your whole body. It sets your whole life on fire, and it's set on fire by hell. If you had that thing, if, it was, if I said, hey, I'm going to give you this thing that has been set on fire by hell, how would you use it? Very carefully, right? You'd wrap it up. You'd keep it tucked out. You'd be like, is it okay to use this right now? Because this might set the whole world on fire. This could set my life on fire. This has been set on fire by hell. Like he says, you're walking around with a, with a nuclear disposal connected to your mouth, right? Verse 7, he says, look, all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. He says, you can train a lion, you can train a dolphin, a killer whale, but nobody is the master of their speech. I thought a lot about this this week because some of us might be thinking, I don't do that. I don't spread gossip or tell lies or spew insults. But often the, the hurt that we do is unintentional. How many of you have had the experience where someone told you they were hurt by something you said and you didn't even remember saying it? Anybody, right? Or, or you didn't mean it as an insult or you thought it was obvious you were joking and they've been mad about it for years, right? I'm so glad Tanya's here today. This is like right up your alley, right? James reminds us that our words are super powerful for good and for evil. Listen to verse 9. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. He goes, look at this. He goes, you have something on you. One of the greatest things you can do with your whole life is praise God. If you come to the end of your life, say, what did you do with your life? He said, I praised God with my life. You have that ability on you all the time. You don't need money, you don't need position, you don't need opportunity, you don't need any, all you need is to be able to speak. You have the ability to do one of the greatest good things you can do at every moment of every day. In every circumstance, you can always praise God. You always have that ability. The greatest goods of the universe, you can always praise God in any moment. It's right here. Praise you, Lord. Giving God credit. Bless you, Lord, right? I always have that. Give me that verse back up, right? He says, you always have that. He goes, and also that same incredible gift that you have, that thing you can do that praises God, you also use it to curse people who were made in the image of God. James reminds us, says when you're cursing people, you're cursing something that God made, it doesn't fit, he says. Look at verse 10, 11, and 12. He says, out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? 
My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He says, fresh and salt water can't flow together. Do you know what you call it if you take a bunch of salt water and mix it in with a bunch of fresh water? It's called salt water, right? It's not half fresh water and half salt water. It's called salt water. I mean, this is the most obvious illustration in the world. He goes, hey, guys, let me ask you a question. You've got a tree, and you think it's an olive tree. And you're like, and you point it out to people in your yard. Oh, what do you got there? Oh, that's an olive tree. Oh, yeah, I got an olive tree. Okay, I have one of these. I have a tree that I believe is an apple tree. You know why I say I believe it? Because I've seen no apples. He says, I got an olive tree. And then one day the fruit comes and it's figs. And you come back and they're like, oh, is that your, is that your olive tree? Apparently not. I thought it was an olive tree. Turned out it was a fig tree the whole time. You don't go, oh, you know what? That's an olive tree. It just sometimes produces figs. How many of you guys grow something in your, at your house? Strawberries, something, right? Apples, oranges. So the, who, everybody have an apple tree in here? Who's got an apple tree in here, right? We do, right? Uh, does your apple, Amy, you got an apple tree? Sometimes your apple tree produces apples, right? Does it sometimes produce oranges? You ever get a watermelon out of there? How about porterhouse steaks? I'm just hoping, right? What comes out is what you are. Now watch it, because James isn't subtle here. What's he talking about? Blah, 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 right? He says, if you want to know what you really are, take a look at your speech. If you want to know who you are, take a look at your speech. Imagine that you could read a transcript of everything you said in the last day. And you took that transcript and you gave it to somebody who doesn't know you and said, read this transcript. Everything you said in public, everything you said in private, everything you wrote down for someone else to read, right? And you write that down and, you, and someone else read it. Would they know you were a Christ follower? Who would they think you were? Based on what you said just in the last 24 hours. I'll tell you, if they did that to me, and look, I spent part of my day preaching. But I spent part of my day doing other stuff too. And if I looked at my transcript the last 24 hours, you know what I'd want to do before I gave it to someone? I'd want to redact it. I'd want to go, well, this was a joke. I didn't really mean this. I only said this to my wife. I only said this when my wife wasn't listening. (laughs) Right? And I'd want to close all, oh, yeah, I didn't really mean that. Oh, I was angry when I said that. Yeah, you don't understand. I was trying to get my kid into golf, and it costs more if he's too old, so I had to lie about that, right? What, what would someone think you were, right? Here's the hard part, and I had to deal with this myself this week, okay? If you consider what you've said, if what comes out of your mouth is gossip and slander and insults and cruelty, in other words, salt water, let me tell you something, you're not who you think you are. I'm not who I think I am. James says it another way, verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. He says, the life of a believer is inconsistent with arrogance, with selfish ambition, with bitter envy. He says, do not deceive yourselves thinking that these are God's ways. God's ways is never this way. He goes, you know whose way that is? That's the devil's way. If that's how you're going through life, arrogance, selfish ambition, bitter envy, guess who you're working for? He says, it's not what you think you are or even what you say you are. It's who your actions show you to be. And hold yourself to this standard. Hold your leaders to that standard. An old counselor friend of mine once told me, he says, when someone shows you who they really are, believe it. And that's true for us as well. If I look at the product of my life, who am I? But there's hope. There's a different kind of life. We are not slaves to sin because we belong to Jesus. Look at verse 17. It says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Go back to 17 for me. He says, when you're a believer and you, and you speak out of that relationship with Jesus, he goes, the kinds of things that are going to come out of your mouth, because the first thing they're going to be is pure. This is pure speech, things that glorify God, talking about the kinds of things that are beneficial to the kingdom. He says it's peace-loving. He says the things that you say are going to unite people, not divide them. He says it's considerate. It's thinking about someone else when you're talking, not about yourself. Considering their point of view or their situation or their struggle when you're talking. He says it's submissive. Those in Christ, when we talk, we don't have to get our own way because Jesus has already gotten our way for us. He says our speech can be submissive. We don't have to have things our way. We can be full of mercy. We can understand that everyone is flawed and sinful. And we can hand out mercy because we're so full of it ourselves. God has so given it to us that we can pour it out to other people. We can be impartial, not play favorites. He dealt with that earlier, right? Good fruit, sincere. We're good. We can mean what we say and have it be a good thing because we're in Christ. I think this is a great checklist, a great heart check for us in our speech, a, a grid to help us interact with others, to ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say peaceful? Is it helping unite people or is it divisive? Is what I'm about to say, does it take into account the other person's weakness? Even if it's someone I disagree with, do I understand that maybe they got to the place they're at because they're broken like me? The thing I'm about to say, do I mean it? Is it sincere? Is it what I really want to say in the kindest, most loving way? I got really upset about something uh, a little while back, and I was having a hard time with it. I was letting my anger rule the day. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, uh, but I started making destructive plans in, with my life. Threats, revenge, anger, right? Thankfully, I had a meeting with uh, D. Will, our director of prayer and communications that day. 
And I walk in, he's like, what's wrong with you, man? And I'm like, this, 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 and this, and I'm going to this, and I'm going to this, and I'm going to this. And he, and he just goes, hold on. Right? Hold on, man. Slow down. Slow down. All right, let's take this easy here. It's not the way we talk as Christians. It's not how Christians handle conflict. He's up, man. He's up. It made me think I used to play uh, softball for Frank Slavnik's dad's team. His dad's been passed for a while now. He used to call him the old man. The old man always coached third base. And one time I'm playing for Frank's team. I'm on first base. A guy hits the ball in the gap, and I come motoring around second, and I'm heading for third, and I'm going to score. And as you might imagine, I'm known for my speed. Right? <laughs> And I'm flying, and I'm a big ship to slow down, right? And I'm coming, and I don't know where the ball is. I'm looking at my coach to tell me, right? And I'm coming, I'm, I'm ready, I'm getting home, right? And the old man just looks at me from far off. He just goes, settle down. Slow up, big fellow. You'll be fine right here. Yep, yep. And I'm like, yeah, and he's like, it's okay. Stay, stay. Easy, easy, Right? It's like, I don't want to see you blow out a hamstring, burst a lung, run into the stands, right here, right? When I think about the old man doing that, I think about the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to my mouth, right? I want to charge in and get revenge and spew my way and da 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 and lie my way through it. And the Holy Spirit goes, hold on there, big fellow. Is that kind? Is that submissive? Is that peaceful? We are in Christ, right? We have this huge advantage. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We are not slaves to what comes out of our mouths. We don't have to just say anything that appears in our heads. We can be surrendered and submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit. We can train ourselves to this. We can do what D did for me. We can allow the Holy Spirit to do that and say, Lord, would you, would you be in charge of my speech? We, we can memorize, put that back up for me, that second to last verse, right? We can say, Holy Spirit, would you, would you help me say things that are pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive? I'll tell you, you shock people in conversation when you talk like that. You know what? You're right. Hey, let's do that your way. You know, I forgot about the fact that this, that would be a real long day for you. I'm sorry. This is, this is how Christ followers can talk because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. And look, I can tell the difference between a church that's going to make it a long way and a church that's going gonna, gonna to blow up. And the difference is how you talk to each other. If you talk to each other it, with, with evil in your heart and I'm going to get my way and I don't care about your side of things and I want to have this, your church is not going to make it. But if we allow ourselves to be surrendered to the work of the Spirit, invite Him over and over again, right? It's a regular, all-the-time practice for Christians. I confess sin. I, work, I invite the work of the Holy Spirit. I, we, can be, we can be submitted to Him where that becomes second nature to be people who speak with the Spirit in it. And it's not just about what we don't say. It's also about what we say. Instead of saying that thing that's divisive, I can say that thing that's encouraging, that unites people, that builds them up. I'll tell you, it is such a gift sometimes. Spend a day one time in the next, I'm going to say something that builds that person up. Hey, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I love the way, I, you know, I love the way I saw you with your kids. Or That was really cool. Man, you know, I, I saw what you did there. That was awesome. 
You know, I, I, you bring so much joy when you come in the room. Man, you can build people up. The tongue is powerful that way. It can give praise to God. It can build up people. But that's a, that's a mouth that's been submitted to the Holy Spirit. Let us be a people who speak Spirit-directed words, who protects us from our own, our own speech that can set the world on fire and tear us apart. And let us be those who speak words of encouragement and, and truth and love and unity. That's going to bless us. It's going to bless those around us. Let that be true of us as a church, New Hope. Let me pray that for us. Father God, thank you that you call us to a new kind of life, that you don't leave us in our sin, in our anger, in our selfishness. Uh, Lord, but you've made a way for us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a Spirit-directed people. The wisdom that comes from heaven, may it transform us in our speech. Father, I pray that we would submit to that. As we, as we hear that, that stop sign before we speak sometimes, that we'd yield to it and say, Lord, your way, not my way. And that we'd let that speech be redirected to blessing. Father, let that be true of our church. Lord, we love you and trust you. Help us live for you. We pray these things in the mighty and matchless name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.